WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and it's time for another edition of HTW. It's the show with your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. And joining me in the other chair this week, she's back. It's Hannah Atkinson. Hello, Hannah. How's it going? Hello. I'm finally back. Well, not finally. It's only been a two weeks or so. <laughs> one. You, t- you, t- you took one week off, and it's like you've one been like ha- gone for half the season. It's, it's, I know. It's, it's, it feels crazy. like it's been a long time. <laughs> That that was probably just Austria as a weekend. I mean, how did you find the racing this past weekend? Well, it was. I mean, I was going to say confusing. It wasn't really confusing in terms of the race, but <laughs> all of that post-race penalties and changeovers and everything that happened post-race that was confusing. But it was it was hectic. I I kind of enjoy it a little bit. Like I know uh, obviously yeah. everyone going off track and like the time penalties and you know no, no, it's not great and there's a bit of controversy around that. But sometimes it's a bit fun to switch things up a bit and have a have an order change. So I uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it, for me, it was probably the best F1 race we've had all season so far. Wow, the sprint, okay. I think the sprint in particular was was incredible drama. Um, we got a little bit lucky on the weather that it was just well enough for intermediates. But then it, it also had the intrigue of it being dry enough for slicks at the end and the strategical differences and seeing like basically two different races play out in that in that sprint was fantastic i was one of those people that were holding out hope for a uh a, a hulkenberg podium and i say that in inverted commas because oh, weren't we all because <laughs> a, a sprint podium is I, I don't think it really counts in the quite the same but uh hulk's gone well in the wet before so i was kind of pulling for him on that one remember that it becomes important later it is on the <laughs> it is on the set list coming up shortly so we'll have to wait and see but i was i was sitting now minding my own business at work and then seeing the news that they had reviewed 1,200 different potential incidents for track limits and then figuring out, oh, there's going to be penalties coming. And then there was 12 of them. (laughs) 12. I know. I couldn't wrap my head around how many instances they had to count up. And it was so intense. And there's so, like, I can't even think of that number. Like, when you think about it in terms of the race and laps and per driver and you, like, calculate it down, it's... A little bit too confusing for me, I'll be honest. It's almost one per driver per lap. That's crazy. <laughs> which is which is just wild when you when you work it out from the maths. But uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of Austria on social media because that I thought that was a fascinating Grand Prix weekend, even if it got a little bit farcical with uh, just track limits. But that's Austria for you. We do this every year. You guys want consistent track limits, and here you go. Um, you know, unfortunately, it comes with its own set of problems. Um, again, we did a great video about that on the WTF on YouTube channel, by the way. So do check that out as well. Uh, me and Harry work together on that one so do check that out so for those who don't know because hey every podcast is someone's first welcome to htw on this show you the fine wtf1 audience sending your hot takes uh on social media and then we uh the esteemed panel will talk about them we'll give our opinions and then we'll score them on a scale of one to five one that uh we strongly disagree with said opinion and five being that we strongly agree so we rate them on that scale Genuine thanks to everyone who keeps sending takes in via email. And there's actually two on this show that feature from Instagram as well. So if you want to follow me on Instagram or send in a take, 
feel free. It's DreWTF1 on Instagram. Like, I, I know it's a weird way of, of saying it because it sounds like I'm saying Drew. Um, <laughs> it does. The when the... it, it does look like Drew. I have to be honest. <sighs> yeah, people have pointed this out to me, and I, I may have to bring the underscore over just to differentiate myself and make it the same <laughs> as the Twitter because, like, people do think it says Drew. I, 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 I could see how people have come to this conclusion, but feel free to send me a message on there as well. There's a there, look, let's put it this way. The more interesting and the more unique the take, the better chance that it has of getting picked. But genuinely, thank you for sending them in that way. It means a lot that you guys are going out of your way to send them in on different platforms, whether it be via email, whether it be via Instagram. Keep them coming. I am I am all for it. I, I love the viewer interaction. Um, please keep doing that. And if you like the show, why not just give it five stars on iTunes or Spotify, wherever else you're getting your pods from. Do really appreciate all the recent support. So, shall we get into HCW, Hannah? Let's do it. Let's do it. Take number one, and I did kind of hint at this earlier. It's from Rod Kirkner, who says on Twitter, under equal machinery, Nico Hulkenberg is a top five driver right now. That's a strong statement. Under equal machinery, Nico Hulkenberg is a top five driver right now. This is interesting. Um... Under equal machinery is always an interesting way of looking at it because it's, it's it's very much you're basically making the pound for pound argument, which is always fascinating, very subjective, and you're trying to take as much of that element of the strength of the car out of the equation. But I'm going to ask you, Hannah, what have you made of Holkenberg's season? Is there some validity to this statement? There is some. I am. I have been really impressed with Holkenberg this season. Um, I mean, he's definitely performed well and he's definitely on form and he's had some insane qualifying results recently would I say he's top five I mean potentially I mean if you compare him to Magnussen uh in race results they're pretty much equal you know here or there they're basically you know on par in terms of results um but then if you do look at qualifying Magnussen has had a, a p4 I think it was in Miami um but we've seen Hulkenberg in the top five for qualifying twice recently in the sprint shootout last weekend and then uh also in Canada p2 I think he ended up having to start p4 or p5 but he still got yeah. that p2 which was yeah. you know really impressive and I don't think any of us expected that I, no. I remember at the start of the season Hulkenberg and Magnussen for me were going to be that pairing that would be really interesting to watch because to me they seem so on par and so equal and I was just really excited to see how it played out and I feel like they are reasonably equal to each other but Hulkenberg has just shone through especially recently and you have to look at the other drivers on the grid though you know you have Max, George I think is performing really well, Lando, uh, Albon, Alonso um, I do feel like Hulkenberg could be in that category of drivers too. Uh, I just feel like a lot of drivers are performing really well at the moment. So if you were to be considered in that top five, you'd have to be just insanely good. Um, so it, it's it's definitely difficult to place a top five because it's so subjective. Everyone's going to have different opinions, but I feel like he could be in the top five, if not like a, a top six or seven, but yeah. there's so many people that are doing so well at the moment. It's just hard to, it's hard to narrow it down. This is interesting because he drives for Haas. And mm. if there's one thing I've noticed about Haas this season, it's that they are a qualifying car. The in race trim, they butcher their tires. That is their big problem. So in race trim, they drop off quite hard. 
Um, but they seem to qualify really well. They are like Hulkenberg has been outstanding over a single lap. I mentioned this on the website earlier this week. He has more Q3 appearances this season than Sergio Perez has. I love that stat so much. It's amazing. Yeah, five to four. Um, Hulkenberg's made Q3 five times this season already. Perez has only made it four times. Um, And I think that's what's making the difference for him because he's qualified so well and he's had those highlight real moments like, like you said, the P2 in Canada where he timed his run to perfection before the red flag came out for Piastri's Piastri Beach in his car. Again, the sprint this past weekend where he was running second for a good chunk of that race. Um, you know, he's like in, in changeable conditions, he's he's outstanding. And he, he always has been. I remember like when I was only 18 and seeing him in a Williams when he qualified on pole in, in, in a Williams back in 2010. He's always been excellent in, in, in those sorts of areas. I'm trying to think in my head now, if I was doing a top 10 drivers of the year list so far, would I have Hulkenberg in my top five? And I'm thinking that I'm, I'm going to run it through my head now mentally and wing it and see where I'm at. So Verstappen is obviously number one, the way his season's played out. I think Alonso is clearly number two for me, the way how consistent he's been all year. Then it gets interesting. I would probably say Hamilton is likely third on that list. And then it gets like maybe Yuki Sonoda. Sonoda's, Dropped off. He had a bad weekend in Austria. You know, the lap one incident and the time penalties didn't do him any favors. But I still think, given he's in the worst car in Formula One right now, I think Sonoda deserves consideration. I think Alex Albon deserves consideration. I would say Lando Norris, maybe Carlos Sainz, I would maybe throw in there. I think top five is a little on the high end. But I don't think it's a ridiculous statement, is how I would look at it. If if I was weighing up my pound-for-pound pound list right now, based off this season and the form that Hulkenberg is in, and ignore, trying to ignore as much as I can the fact that Haas is a tire murderer, um, I don't think it's an outrageous statement. I think I think there's some validity to what you're saying, Rob. Um I, I think he might be just outside my top five is, is, is the gut feeling that I've got on Hulkenberg. But I don't think you're a million miles away. So I think with that in mind, I'm going to say three. I don't normally say three. Um, it's, a, it's a bit in the middle. Like I would probably lean more towards the two side of that. But I think you could probably make a decent argument for Hulkenberg as maybe a number five, number six guy on that list, and I wouldn't laugh you out of the room. So I would say three. I'm, 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 it's, a, it's a bit of a fence-sitting number for me, but I think there is a claim you could certainly make. How about yeah, you, Hannah? Absolutely. I, I think for me, I am going to give it a two, but I do okay. completely see why you've given it a three. Um, I agree. And I feel like, I think the reason I'm giving it a two is he doesn't come in to my top five, but He's definitely close. And I feel like there's, you know, two or three drivers that would be in my top five that you could argue either side of the five mark, you know. So it there's there's like a group of like five or six drivers that all deserve to be in the top five. So you just can't really pick and choose. But for me, he wouldn't be in the top five. But like you said, Dre, uh, 
you could argue either way. So for me, it's a two. Yeah, I, I think it's close. I think I think it's I don't think it's an outrageous take at all to say he's been in the top five this year. I think he's been very impressive, especially given Gunther insisted that Magnuson was the guy he wanted to keep over Mick Schumacher last year, even though there was a valid case you could make last year that Mick Schumacher should have kept his job. I think it was the crash damage that really did Mick in last year. Um, so Gunther's chosen Magnuson, and you've got to remember as well, Hulkenberg has not been in F1 full-time for three years. And he's come back, brand new team, alien car, come in and has immediately performed at Magnuson's level, if not higher. I, think I feel like people forget that sometimes. I think it's because he, he had filled in part-time a few times in between. <laughs> like, like, obviously with... Substitute driver for everyone. Yeah, because he was part of the Aston Martin setup pretty much the entire time, even when they were still called Racing Point. He filled in a couple of times back then. He filled in when, when Sebastian Vettel got COVID in his final season uh, as well. So he, he's been in the discussion. He's been in, you know, dialogue, and he's not like truly gone away since he last had that Renault seat full time. So he, he's a name that has stayed relevant. I think that's probably part of the reason why as well, but given he's been out of the loop full time for three years and, you know, he, I think he's done an, a, an excellent job so far, all things considered. Okay. We go to Instagram and Anna Coates sent this one into me and, um, this is a fascinating one. Um, I, I I did really, really appreciate this one. Um, she said, and this is going to be a cultural one here that I don't think everyone's going to necessarily agree with. Um, they said, hi, Dre, you said Insta's okay. So here we go. For Hot Takes <laughs> Wednesday, celebrities are ruining the true sport of Formula One, i.e. Ryan Reynolds invested in Alpine, the Miami Grand Prix Super Bowl-like celeb fest rather than a sporting event. Um, so celebrities are ruining the true sport of F1. Now, this not is not controversial gonna... at all. No, 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 like a uh, very, very uh, tame take there. <clears throat> um, it, this is a big one, and I think it obviously this is clearly off the back of the news that dropped last week that um, a big consortium has uh bought a quarter of Alpine, and that consortium includes Ryan Reynolds, obviously Hollywood A-lister, um, uh, Deadpool, you name it. He's done a, a bunch of massive movies. Rob McElhenney, um, as from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They obviously had, they bought Wrexham a couple of years ago, and that went viral with their show. Um, Welcome to Wrexham, and, you know, obviously invested in football. Michael B. Jordan's part of that consortium as well, and he's he's recently bought a stake in, in Bournemouth, um, the Premier League football club. So there, there's clearly a rise at the moment in celebrities investing in, in, in sports, which is interesting. And again, leaning into that with Anna also mentioning Miami. Uh, again, we talked a little bit about it at the time, um, but I know like the driver introductions, for example, and the whole general celebrity culture that came with Miami, I know it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But uh, Hannah, you know a little bit about that life. You've done a, a fair few of F1 events in your time and you know, you've know seen how you know the, the culture gets down with F1. I, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because you're someone that's been there and done it to a degree. Yeah, I feel like it depends what you class as ruining the sport. It's mm. you touched on it before, Dre, but you know, Miami is a big one. And and we had the driver intros and we had the that like live show. It was kind of like a not a concert, but just like a oh yeah. with the DJ on the Thursday. And I feel like 
to grow a sport, especially mm-hmm. in America, that kind of thing needs to be done because it's the entertainment value. More people are likely to tune in. There's more chances for media things, whether that's with like teams or drivers um, to go online. And then that grows the sport even more. So it's kind of the same argument with Drive to Survive. It's like some people don't like it, but then if you want the sport that you love to grow, then these kind of things is what needs to be what needs to happen I, I feel like yeah it's a bit cringy I, I agree like with the driver intros you know it was a little bit over the top but I guess I, the only way I have a problem with it is if it takes away from the driver's time with their mechanics or in the car we're still getting fp1 fp2 fp3 quality in the race we're still right. getting all of that and people say it takes away from the sport I don't really see it how it can take away from the sport you're still getting all of the racing that you normally would get at a grand prix weekend it's just a little bit of added extras and i know the added extras aren't for everyone they're not necessarily for me but i see no harm in it and like i said before the only way that i feel like it should stop or we should kind of settle down on that side of things is if it does take away from the driver's time when they're focusing like the driver intros are so close to the race start um so that's where it gets a bit of a middle ground for me but what do you think jay um we talked about it a little bit and um this is no jab at you but my favorite hw i've done was with michael italiano earlier yes. this year and he was also yuki sonoda's for those who don't know he's yuki sonoda's driver coach um he's he's also worked with daniel ricardo in the past in f1 uh as, as a fellow australian um and yeah like he mentioned the fact that during those Miami intros, the only reason why the drivers weren't all that keen was because it was Miami. It was stupid hot when mm. they when they did that race back in May. And it had actually taken like a good eight, nine minutes out of their prep time before the race had started, which I think is why a lot of the drivers weren't very receptive to it, um, which is a valid, that's a completely valid argument as to why you wouldn't like it if you're a yeah. driver. Totally get that. And look, we're dealing with subjective things here because a lot of people just don't like celebrity culture in any walk of life, let alone sport. For me, and this is just coming from the perspective of an F1 fan of about 20 years or so, it's always been this way. I think it's just a lot more high profile now because of the accessibility we have. Social media has just just changed the game in terms of accessibility you know, pushing people to the forefront, the rise of what we call the influencer um, or what many people would call the influencer. I think that's just people that are famous and there's just more of them now than they were 15, 20 years ago. I remember growing up with Martin Brundle's grid walks and seeing Miami and seeing Naomi Campbell on the grid or Elizabeth Hurley on the grid or Sylvester Stallone. It's the same as to what we've had now in some of these high-profile glamour rounds. It's just a little bit more of it and a little bit more i think it's a little bit more because we like the the bubble we live in when it comes to like social media and uh, who our friends are how little echo chambers of the world little things like that i like 
from the, I can understand when people might, might not have liked Miami, and I've said it before. I think the Americans love pomp and pageantry. They love making a big deal about sports events. Um, I remember when they did it at Cota a few years ago when they got Michael frigging Buffer to do the driver intros, and even though he butchered half their names, it's Michael Buffer. Like he's he's the master of ceremonies in sport. You know, Mister, let's get ready at a rumble. It was almost one of the most iconic phrases in sports. I personally loved that. And, and then again, I am big on American sports culture, so I am biased. I admit that. When it comes to the other angle you, you Anna put out there regarding things like Ryan Reynolds buying into Alpine, like if anything, that's walking proof the sport's doing great. I I I think that's objectively a good thing. A lot of people have asked the question: Will this DTS spike in popularity that F1 has had in the last half decade, probably more specifically the last three years, will it? Is it sustainable? Will it hang on? In fact, I remember. I think the very first podcast the three of us did together um, on WTF1 was talking about that very concept. Uh, not the easiest first episode if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, um, but it, it's one that I'm still very proud of because we, I think we had a fantastic chat about it in difficult circumstances. And it's walking proof to me that the sport is doing well, that high-profile consortiums are coming together and wanting to invest their money in a, in, in a team. And let's do some quick maths. I know that our, that consortium group bought 24% of Alpine, and it was at 200 million euros. That means they're valuing Alpine at about 800 million, more or less, depending on how you convert the currency over and the percentage. It works out about 800 mil. That's just for one of the 10 teams that are on the grid. Liberty Media bought the whole sport in 2016 for six bill. I'm pretty confident that if you're valuing Alpine, a middle-of-the-road F1 team, at about 800 million, the sport is... You know, I think it's worth more than what it was when Liberty bought it out six years ago. Um, that's a good sign that the sport is in a healthy place and moving in the right direction. If outside celebrity, if outside celebrities and people with, that have got financial stakes in good places want to put their money in F1, let's not forget F1 is a black hole for money. Like, yes. if you invest money in F1, there is a good chance you're not getting a return on that investment. Because if your team stinks, people pull out, people sell, people change ownership. This happens all the time in F1. Like, the fact that we haven't had one of those in recent times, the fact that the sport came off the pandemic, which, again, took a lot of value out of motorsport in general, and the fact that three years on, you know, we've we've gone past the big DTS spike and someone like Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney wants to put money into F1. I think that's a good thing. I think that's, I think that can, I, I don't see the drawback unless you just dislike celebrity culture in general, which again, it's subjective. I can't hold that against you if you don't like it that way. But I think on the whole, I have to say two on this take. Um, because again, it's very subjective, and like if you didn't like how Miami went down, can't hold that against you. I could, I could totally see how someone might look at that LL Cool J intro with the big band and the Will I Am being the conductor. I could totally see how you might think that's a bit silly. Like the way Americans get down and the way some of us Europeans get down are very different when it comes to sports events. 
I get it. So I'm not going to fully disagree with this take because, again, it's a very subjective sort of take in general. Um, but for me, especially on the Ryan Reynolds and the Alpine investment side of things, that I do disagree. I think that can only be a good thing. So what what do you overall think, Hannah? Yeah, I'm going to give it a two as well. I, I do disagree. I, I don't think that celebrity culture is ruining the sport. Um, but like you said, I, I think I can understand why some people won't like it, why some people think it's a bit cringe. I get that. Um, but I, I don't think overall is is ruining anything. So it's a two for me. Yep, I totally get that one. The thought of going behind the scenes in an F1 factory is the stuff of dreams for most F1 fans, but now you can make that dream a reality thanks to our friends at Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can embark on an exclusive tour of the epic McLaren Technology Centre, home to one of the most iconic names in Formula 1. You'll enjoy unprecedented access to the factory, see authentic racing memorabilia and the kit worn by the team, and learn about groundbreaking innovations from McLaren's 60-year history. But that's not all, oh no. You'll also get up close and personal with iconic Formula 1 cars driven by racing legends like Ayrton Senna, Lewis Hamilton and Mika Hakkinen and visit the top secret assembly line where the latest cars driven by Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri are created. A Get Your Guide tour of the McLaren Technology Centre is a truly unforgettable experience for any F1 fan. For more information about booking your tour, click the link in the description. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, so forgive me, but uh, Icel on Twitter, um, A-E-S-C-A-E-L, Icel, I, I, I'm going to go with that. Forgive me if I got <laughs> that wrong. Um, they say, Alex Albon will drive a Red Bull in an F1 Grand Prix again before Daniel Ricciardo does. What? An Alex Albon comeback. Uh, Alex Albon will drive a Red Bull in an F1 race again before daniel ricardo does no way jose i disagree i feel like i can't see alex going back to red bull it seems a bit silly really i mean i don't think for him it's worth that risk again last time it left him with no f1 seat uh and i know we've seen daniel ricardo back at red bull now but i feel like the context behind the two of them leaving was was different absolutely Um, and now that we have Ricardo back involved with Red Bull, uh, if the moment came, he would absolutely be in that Red Bull before Alex Albon would. I mean, last even last race in Austria, Perez at the start of the race weekend was feeling under the weather, you know, he wasn't too well. Um, and that got everyone talking about Ricardo back in that seat. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and whether or not that would actually happen, like I know Daniel isn't Red Bull's only choice. There are other drivers there. So it might not have even been him, but the option was there and it only takes Max or Checo to be under the weather for him to fill in for the Grand Prix weekend. So, Well, well the funny thing was, Ricardo was never going to fill in because he wasn't there that weekend. Yeah, was, he wasn't was, even it, in the country. It, it, it was going to be Liam Lawson if there was mm-hmm. ever going to be a reserve because they, 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 they knew going in that Perez was not 100%. Yeah. Um, I think this is more a general comment towards the future of how Red mm. Bull's drivers are organised because it has been messy. Um, yeah. It's hard to not to talk about this take and not talk about Nick DeFries, who... You know, it seems to now be pretty much public knowledge he's got till the summer break to save his job. Um, He was better than Sonoda this weekend. So I think that's at least a small positive step in the right direction. He wasn't spectacular by any stretch, but it was a better weekend than Sonoda had. So I guess that's a plus. Um, But it's 
it was pretty much widely reported that if things don't improve by the break, the freeze is gone. And it seems that Liam Lawson is front of the queue if that was to happen. I think um, Lawson has won a couple of Super Formula rounds already this year over in Japan. I think I think Red Bull look at that more like a finishing school for drivers. Like because Pierre Gasly's been over there before, before you know getting a a Red Bull opportunity down the road. I think a lot of people want Ricardo back because he's Ricardo, and he's obviously a very well liked, very popular driver. We talked about DTS a minute ago. I think he's been one of the biggest winners of that show and its rising popularity because I think he's been very clever in keeping himself in the public eye. You know, being at the Met Gala, um, doing like big high profile interviews like Stephen Colbert. That's a big deal in America getting getting to go on on you know late night TV with him. Um, you know, doing the grandstand shows on ESPN because he had Will on Will on not I think was he was doing that with from Bojack Horseman. Um so again, big deal, big show. He had a lot of big name celebrities on that with him. He had Josh Allen, the uh, Buffalo Bills quarterback and Marshawn Lynch again, big American celebrity athletes on, on the show. Very very ESPN like so Ricardo's dabbling he and I think he's doing a lot to keep his name out there and the fact that he's pretty much said on the record that I'll drive for an avatar if it means getting a Red Bull seat back I think it's a, a big coincidence between that and obviously having Perez's struggles before this weekend started I think a lot of people have what's the best way you put in this put two and two together and got 22 <laughs> it's like you can see how they get there but it's not the right answer in my yeah, opinion yeah. like that's how i look at it and i don't think i, I don't think ricardo is going to be back i think ricardo is a nice third option to have i think it's a vanity option if you're red bull it's like hey you're, daniel ricardo is your third driver like that's a bonus price for most people but they still have an academy. I, I think it defeats the purpose of the academy if they're going to plug in a 34-year-old Daniel Ricciardo who came off two pretty bad years at McLaren. And I, I, what what could have changed for Alex Albon at Williams to, to for, for Red Bull to think he's going to get a second chance? So don't get me wrong. I think he's been very good at Williams since coming back there. He reminds me a lot of when George Russell was in a Williams. I think he's doing very similar performances. But I don't think that's going to be enough for Red Bull to go, well, why would we do this again? Because you did it before with Verstappen as, as his teammate in Red Bull. And Verstappen thoroughly outclassed Albon. So, like, is Albon that much better now he's in a Williams that you're going to bring him back, not only through AlphaTire, but then jump him straight into the Red Bull factory seat and dump Checo for him? I can't get there. Like, if it was just Daniel Ricciardo comes back, I would say two. But because you've mentioned Alex Albon, I've got to say one here. I I, I I just can't get there. There's too many hoops that Albon has to jump through politically ahead of Ricardo. And I even think Ricardo's getting back is unlikely, let alone Albon. So I'm going to say one here, unfortunately. How do you feel, Hannah? It's a one for me as well. Shock. Uh, yeah, I just cannot see a world where Alex Albon is, is back in that rebel seat. No way. So completely disagree. It's a one. Although, yeah. you know... Would I like to see that? Nah, I feel like he suits the Williams. He's uh, he's performing well, and I'd rather he overperform than underperform. So, yeah, it, it, he's a very good midfielder. And look, they can't all be elite drivers. 
Like, if that's Albon's role in F1, then uh, he will still gain a lot of fans and admirers from overperforming a Williams team that we know isn't particularly great. And sometimes that's okay. You know, you need you need dudes like that in F1 sometimes. They can't all drive top-end seats. Um, that's just how this sport is, unfortunately. Um, but, I like, I, I like Albon a lot. I think he's doing fantastic this season. He's had a very, very solid season this year. Um, I just don't see a good reason why Red Bull would go down that road again because I think they just end up repeating history again, like Verstappen's in, in a in a different league, and it's going to be very very hard for someone to come along and beat him in that Red Bull climate. So, yeah, I can't can't get there um, on Albon on this one. Tick number four is from F one F one account. Very meta. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd have gone with F one squared personally, but I, I, I like I like I like how you've done that there. F one F one account says. Lando Norris will get two podiums this year. Quick and to the point. Someone that's clearly seen some hope in the McLaren landscape after they had their new upgrades uh, for just for Lando's car this, this past weekend in Austria. And yeah, I mean, McLaren's best result of the year, fourth place um, after all the penalties shook out 12 absolutely priceless points for McLaren um, and a bit of hope in that camp as they um, head towards their home Grand Prix at Silverstone this weekend. First question, because I've got to ask you, are you a fan of the Chrome livery that they're they debuting for that weekend? Because I know a lot of people have a split uh, on that one. And secondly, do you see Norris on the podium twice this year? Well, to answer the first question, I really like it. <laughs> I do. Because uh, okay. I, I think... Um, I mean, I saw the the post online and I just thought, that's fantastic. Mm. I love it. I like just seeing the picture of it without knowing that it was going to happen. It was just, I really liked it. I, I didn't have any any predictions for the livery. I didn't have any expectations and I just saw it and I, I thought it looked great, to be honest. And to answer the second question, will Norris get two podiums this year? I would love to say yes, but no. I feel like <laughs> the only... Uh, unusual driver to get a podium so far is Alonso and that's not even unusual at this point anymore I mean we, we yeah. saw rock on in Monaco which is fantastic but those types of races don't happen very often and for Norris to not only get one shock podium but two I think it's just not likely at all and not to say I don't think he has the talent for it I think he definitely has the talent to be on the podium I mean we saw him in fourth place you know last race but I just don't think he has the car behind him to put him in those situations where he could be fighting for the podium all the time so I mean never say never definitely something could happen and you know he ends up being in a lucky position and, and grabs a podium but I I don't think it will happen twice let alone once <laughs> yeah I think one other thing you got to bear in mind here Lando Norris goes very well in Austria he mm. always has. It's, I, I'd argue it's his best track. He has been on the podium in Austria multiple times in his career already. I, I'd argue it's his best round. And I'm not fully convinced that the upgrades have suddenly turned McLaren from a team that's fighting for lower end points into one that's now going to be in the top six regularly because i mean he was battling hamilton for most of that race he was up there with the ferraris on occasion um that was an outlier for mclaren the way this season has played out they're normally like in that i'd say that eight to twelve sort of range where on a good day they might get the odd point or two but there's a good chance they're going to be just outside of it um 
I'd argue McLaren were in Norris's hands, had a better car last year, and even then they only got one podium, and that was at Imola. Uh, and that was, again, a changeable conditions race that dried out later on. Um, so there was a little bit of shenanigans involved. There. Don't get me wrong, I think, Nor- I think Norris's third was totally on merit that day. I don't think it was anything massively freaky. I just think McLaren had a better car last year relative to the one they've got now. And now you're asking him to get two podiums in a car that I think is worse. Um, I need to see more of this upgrade before I start penciling McLaren in for like top eights, top six sort of finishes. So I, I, I struggle to get there. Look again, this is nothing against Norris, the driver. Um, but uh, I think that because McLaren have got a worse car and I think maybe that, that optimism is a little bit padded out by the fact it's Austria has me thinking this is probably more of a one level take for me rather than a two. I, I need to see more. Uh, look, look, I'll put it this way. If one account, if Norris gets on the podium at Silverstone in that Chrome car, I will publicly declare on this show that I was wrong. I will <laughs> hold my hands up. <laughs> in fact, I will go one step further than that. If Norris gets on the podium, you have my full consent to DM me and I will buy you a McLaren t-shirt of your choice. <gasps> what an offer. Okay, we have to make this happen now. That, there you go. I've put it out there. I have put it out there in the open and I'm a man of my word. Okay. <laughs> like if there is any signature British Grand Prix merch, I will chip in for you if Norris gets on the podium at the British Grand Prix. Like, no drawbacks. That that that's me putting it out there for you. So I'm going to say one on this one, but I am more than happy to be proved wrong. Yeah, it's it's a two for me. I I, I do disagree. Like I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Two podiums for Norris. I mean, even seeing one person that being Ocon on the podium that's not normally on there was such a shock that I just don't see it happening again. Definitely not twice. So yeah, it's a two. But Dre, what do you think about the 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 silver livery? The chrome livery. I think it's fine. Uh, like, oh, just I, fine. <laughs> I, I I don't hate it. Um, yeah. I think it would have been cooler if it was all if all the orange was all the chrome that they added onto it, and it was fully chrome and black. I'm gonna sound a bit old here, but it reminded me a lot of the West livery days of like the early 2000s McLarens. I I liked that era of McLaren. I thought I thought it looked cool. So. If they had gone all the way with the chrome instead of just keeping some of the orange elements, I think it would have looked even better. I I, I don't hate it. I I, I I know a lot of people couldn't stand it. Um, and you no, know, it, it drew a lot of very strong reactions one way or the other. Um, I thought it was fine. I I, I, don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I think it's just a decent livery overall. Um, so yeah, I I, I feel like it could have been better and better executed. Um, because I'm, I'm not one of these guys that thinks the Vodafone era where it was all chrome with a bit of red. Uh, I I found that a little bit overrated personally, but I feel like they just botched it a little bit that's that's my opinion personally um final take of the episode it comes from rich uh richard uh rich free lions on instagram and he sent the following message he said hi dre following the sprint race in austria i wanted to share my sprint race hot take for hot takes wednesday 
He says the grid for the sprint should be drawn at random using a lottery. To be fair, there should be 20 sprint races. Well, in a season, <laughs> and each driver can only start in each position once. I think this would work perfectly. A mixed up grid for every sprint race. F1 could get a celebrity to do an FA Cup style draw on the grid for each sprint. Keep up the great work. Hopefully, to see, hopefully we'll see you at the WTF1 Clubhouse at the weekend. Cheers, Rich. Thanks, Rich, first and foremost. Yes, I will be at the Clubhouse Thursday through Saturday, so do say hi um, if you're down there. Um, but uh, what do you make of that, Hannah? The idea of a lottery for the sprint, and, the, and I think the, the big kicker in all this, basically making the sprint an every weekend deal. I mean, I love the idea. I do. I really love the idea. It would really be fun to see drivers or unusual drivers start starting p1 like being at the front of a race uh, i think that would be really entertaining and i would definitely look forward to the sprint every single weekend but i think that it will kind of lose its speciality after a while and i mean it, you it would be random for the first race, but then to make sure that each driver starts in the different position each time, you'd have to kind of organize it in some way. Mm. And some cars run better in certain tracks and some drivers are, are better in some tracks. So you, I feel like there's no way to be able to sort and organize that to make it actually fair. Because if one driver no. or one team starts near the front at a track that they're really good at, everyone's going to scream and shout about that. Uh, and the same, you know, on the on the other side of things. So I feel like it could never work, really. But I love the idea. I don't mind it. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the sprint as a format in general. Um, I've I've been clear about this on other platforms, and when people have asked me, I don't think that the sprint is an inherently bad idea. I like what they've done with the format. Now we've got the shootout. I think having a second qualifying session Saturday morning, I think is better than a park fair made FP2. Um, my biggest problem with the sprint is, is, is that it's still too safe. That's what I've said from day one. I think it's too safe a format, i.e. if you're the back end of the grid, you're going to get to eighth to score points. It's too big an ask. The majority of the teams, I think, will just take it like another testing session um, because most of them are going to be unlikely to score points. And then you just run in your cars with an, a needless amount of extra risk. Um, it, the whole idea for me for the sprint from F1 is to try and make the sport more aggressive. And this format is not going to do that. That's my opinion. So I am all for a lottery, but with a difference. I say you keep Friday qualifying, but I then I think you I think you go reverse grids, but I think the lottery is for how many spots you reverse. Touring cars ah. do this. I, 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 think they, I, don't, I don't know if they still do because I've not watched I've not watched the British Touring Car Championship in, in a good few years, but I know they certainly used to do this, where they would have a lottery, but I think it was between maybe six and like ten or eleven spots, and then someone would pull a number out of the hat, and that's how many spots would be reversed. I say that as something random because our like if I remember back when we had. Q3 as a, as like the elimination qualifying we have now. 
like it used to be a few years ago where some guys would not bother running in, in Q3 because they'd be like, well, we'll keep the extra set of tires and just take 10th. And you get less cars on track and that's bad. So I think so that teams don't know how many spots they're going to reverse, you keep that element random. I don't think you could just pluck names out of a hat and say, oh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton's going to start 14th or we're going to have Logan Sargent start third. Um, I think that's a bit too contrived. But I think you could do something like that and I think it could work. Um, and honestly, I'm okay with, 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 with the sprint staying as a permanent part of the weekend. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a huge problem with it compared to the conventional race weekend. I don't think we need three practice sessions. Um, I don't even think we need two. I think having just the one on a Friday morning is fine. Um, I like teams that are being kept on their toes. I like the fact it's more challenging for them to, to find setups. And I think that adds more variance and more unpredictability. So for me, overall, weighing up everything that Richard is saying, 20 sprints, I wouldn't I would not make it a lottery for where drivers start. I would make it a lottery for how many reverse grid spots we have. That would be my tweak. But with your concept, I would still say four. I, I, w- I would still prefer it to the relative safety as to what this current format is right now. Because I think the sprint isn't bad, but I think it's safe. And I think that's the problem. Mm. That's that's me laying it all out there for you. Uh, how do you feel <laughs> about it in total, Hannah? Yeah, I, I'm quite torn on this one because, I mean, like I said before, I absolutely love the idea. So part of me is tempted to give it a five, but uh, I know that it wouldn't logistically work and there's a lot of things that would need to be tweaked and you know so if we, if you take the hot take on face value I'd, I'd give it a three because I see both sides um so I think I think it's a three to, for me but the idea itself I give that a five out of five <laughs> I love the creativity yeah but like keep sending these ideas in because I did give a five earlier to this season again it was that same Michael Italiano episode to the idea of reverse grids in the sprint in general that was Devil Beans Coffee that said that a few weeks ago um I'm all for reverse grids I, I think it's time the F1 has that conversation I don't think the sport is ready for it but I think it's time um and something blending that idea and what you're saying rich i think could certainly work um i think a lot of fans would crap on it but i <laughs> but, but i i like what you're cooking i promise just take it from me on that one but that'll just about do it for this week's edition of hot take wednesday um thank you very much for listening as we mentioned earlier we are all going to be at the wtf1 clubhouse except for charlie um she's actually got tickets to the race itself she got them last year she might pop into the clubhouse here and there over the weekend but uh, i will be there thursday through saturday hannah's going to be there all four days um across the action We've got a whole bunch of stuff going down so pop in and say hi um if you're around please do not be shy um um, I'm just as nervous about it as you are. So uh, <laughs> please say hi if you haven't already. Um, enjoy the British Grand Prix. We'll be back next week for another edition of HGW then. But until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Hannah Atkinson. See you next week. Take care. Bye.